That's Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that is to the Lord Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading from his word. There's a lesson in this little passage that we need to note at once, right at the very beginning of our thoughts together today. And that is this, that no matter how insignificant we might feel or how unimportant we consider our circumstances to be in the greater picture of things, our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us from this passage that he is ready to hear and to help and to uphold us in all our ways. Nothing is too trivial to the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one is so small as uh, to be without significance to the Saviour. We live in uncertain times. We don't know what another few days will bring. We seem to be back to the days of the Cold War when the children used to be taught to sit underneath their desks and, uh, and be ready for a nuclear war. These things are a reality once again to us and who would have thought that that would be the case. These are uncertain times. And in our feelings of weakness and vulnerability and unworthiness, the Lord Jesus Christ is ready to draw close to us. And what this little passage actually teaches us is that those very qualities of weakness and vulnerability and unworthiness are the very qualities that characterise a proper approach to the Lord Jesus. So if you feel a bit down, if you feel low, if you feel beat up, if you feel anxious today, then I've got something to help you. I've got a message which I trust will be an encouragement and a blessing to your soul. Next Lord's Day, a little bit of a preview here. Next Lord's Day, God willing, we're going to learn something about a man who is called in Scripture the rich young ruler. And that man came full of pride and presumption and self-importance to the Lord. 
And I'm not going to steal from next week's sermon. But I want to say this, that what the Lord seeks is not pride and presumption and self-importance, but humility of spirit in those who come to him for help. And allowing us to feel our own inadequacies is his way of encouraging us to come to him as might a little child. And that's the great lesson of this passage to us. Now let me say something else here uh, in in this part of of, uh, our, uh, our thoughts today. About 20 months ago, I preached from this exact passage in a sermon which I called Suffer the Little Children. And I know that some of you heard that sermon at the time, so I'm not going to repeat it. If you have not listened to that sermon, then what I've done is I've put a link underneath the uh, information. Uh, If you're looking at your screen and you can see a little bit of information uh, below where it says New Focus Church, uh, it'll say uh, show more under that. And if you click on show more, then it tells you the hymns that we're singing today, gives you one or two links to our website, that sort of thing. And I'll also put under there a link to the sermon, Suffer the Little Children, that I preached, as I say, uh, about a year and a half ago. And you'll be able to listen to that again if you haven't heard it, because I don't mean to repeat myself today. Today... I want us to think not so much about the children being barred from coming to the Lord by the disciples. The disciples made a mistake and they learned their lesson. But rather I want us to dwell on the result of the Lord calling these children to himself and welcoming these children to himself. And I want to set the scene with an introduction and then make three particular points. And um, in truth, probably the introduction will take up half of the time that I have at my disposal today. And then we'll have these three points quickly afterwards. Um, But let's just think about the first part. Maybe I should have said I'm dividing the rest of the sermon into two. Um, And here's here's the the first part of that. When we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, a key principle in the Lord's dealings with us is that we have a welcoming Saviour. Come and welcome to the Lord. We have a welcoming Saviour who delights and who relishes his people coming to him. He delights to receive all who come to him by faith. And this incident reinforces the Lord's words that no one who comes to him will ever be turned away or will ever be rejected. And that is a principle that I want us to lay hold upon today as we begin to think about these verses. Now let me qualify that statement that I have just made so that there is no confusion 
and then we're going to enjoy the good stuff uh, after that. Here's the qualification. Free will preachers always talk about coming to Jesus. And many indeed think if they haven't given an invitation to come to Jesus, then they've not preached the gospel at all. As if the gospel is the invitation. Well, it's not. The gospel is the whole plan of grace. God's grace. Purposefully, wisely and successfully accomplished by the triune God for the salvation of his people from their sin. That's the gospel. The gospel encapsulates, it, it, it includes, it summarizes the Father's elective purpose from eternity, the Son's redemptive sacrifice on the cross, and the Holy Spirit's quickening call and effectual conversion of sinners who are otherwise dead in sin. And if we exclude any part of that divine work from our message, we have not preached the gospel, despite all of the so-called invitations that are made from pulpits up and down the land. Many people do not give the Lord Jesus Christ a second thought. They're content without him. They're happy to face eternity. They're happy to face their own mortality with no plan, no hope, no saviour. They've no desire to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're offended if we suggest otherwise. Well, let me just be plain. If you don't come to Christ, you cannot be received by Christ and you will never be saved. You will go into eternity lost. But there is also a right way and a wrong way to come to Christ. Look at um, the, 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 the phrase that we've got in the second verse of chapter 10. You might uh, just have to go back a little bit. But verse 2 of chapter 10, we read it last week, says this. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? Now do you notice what happened there in that verse, what Mark tells us? The Pharisees came to Jesus. But you see, there's a right way and a wrong way to come to Jesus. And that's what the Lord is explaining in this verse. He is telling us that we have to come as little children. If you come as the Pharisees came, you come by your own means. You come in your own strength. You come through your own wisdom. You come by your own religious practices. The Pharisees were the self-righteous religionists of their day. And when self-righteous religious people come to God on their own terms, by their own wisdom, offering their own goodness, looking to their duty obedience of whatever 
kind and nature that might be, in order to impress their maker, they are knocking on heaven's door and they are saying, we've done all that God requires of us. Let us in. And that's not coming as a little child. That is coming like the rich young ruler that we'll hear about next week, God willing. And you and every self-righteous religionist will go away sorrowful like the rich young ruler if you come to Christ like that. The Lord will say of you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Mark chapter 10 verse 15 rather tells us, Whosoever shall receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall enter therein. That little phrase there, the, the, the Lord uses a knot in there. Um, uh, let me read it again. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. But I just flipped that over and took the negatives out. If we are to receive the kingdom of God, we have to receive it as a little child. And if we don't receive it as a little child, then we will not enter in. Let me point to something else that the Lord says in John chapter 6, because I want to connect that with this verse that we have here in verse 15. The Lord says in John chapter 6, verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This is the point I was making about our welcoming Saviour. If we come to the Lord aright, if we come to the Lord as little children, he will not cast us out. Everyone, let me paraphrase these two verses then for us. Everyone the Father has given to the Lord Jesus Christ in the eternal covenant of grace shall come to Christ as a little child would come. And no one who comes as a little child shall be cast out. Now coming as a little child, coming to Christ as a little child, does not mean that we are saved when we are young. Though you can be saved when you're young. And it's wonderful if you're saved when you're young. It means you've got your whole life to serve and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's best to come to the Lord Jesus Christ when you're young. But what it means to come as a little child, it means to be converted and to be changed from trusting in our own wisdom and our own goodness, like these Pharisees who came to Jesus tempting him, and to trust rather in the wisdom and goodness of God. The wisdom and goodness of God. Or, to say it another way, the gospel and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is God's wisdom. And the righteousness of God is his goodness and his good gifts to us. So the gospel and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is the grounds upon which we must come to him. 
Little children don't boast about their natural wisdom and they have no natural goodness with which uh, to uh, uh, appeal to God. And similarly, those who are converted and become as little children have nothing to boast of before God except their need of a saviour. All who come to the Lord Jesus Christ leaning on his righteousness and believing his gospel shall be welcomed by the Saviour with wide open arms. Our verse that I really want to dwell on and which will take up the second part of what I have to say to you today is verse 16. And he took them up in his arms put his hands upon them and blessed them. And here's what we can discover from this welcoming saviour to whom we come as little children. And there's three points and they'll be quick. The first one is this. Jesus welcomes all who come by taking them in his arms. In the gospel, Every believer has the privilege of taking every blessing and every promise personally. In the gospel, every believer has the privilege of taking every blessing and every promise personally. And that's true here in this passage as it is elsewhere in the word of God. Jesus takes his children, that is, his covenant converted people, in his arms. That's what he does to us when we're saved. He is gathering us up in his arms. That's what he does to us every time we go to him. He gathers us up in his arms. And what a delightful thought that is. Moses himself. All those years ago, back in the Old Testament, when he wrote those first few books of, the, of, of, of the, the, what's called the Pentateuch, the Old Testament uh, uh, early books, he says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 33, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Moses liked the idea of coming to Christ and being embraced in the arms of his saviour. Underneath are the everlasting arms, he wrote. And we have much uncertainty in this world. We've got enemies, we've got dangers, we've got doubts, we've got fears. We have physical weaknesses. We have fleshy temptations. We have opposition from spiritual wickedness in high places. But the eternal God is our refuge and he builds walls around his people. He protects us and defends us. He supports and upholds us in his arms. And Jesus' arms are arms of strength, arms for protection, suited to tenderness and gentleness. And they provide healing and affection and give comfort and encouragement to the little children. When the disciples, at the insistence of the Saviour, 
stepped back from barring the way of these little children and stopping their access to the Saviour. They opened the way for the children to approach the Lord. It must have been quite a wonderful sight to behold. I kind of alluded to that yesterday in, in my preliminary thoughts, that saying it, it must have been a wonderful thing to see that happening. Do you think those children walked slowly to the Lord? I doubt it. I imagine it to be a race. I imagine that they ran to the Saviour. They ran to the Lord Jesus. They, they were clearly... There in the in the middle of a crowd at a time of excitement that the Lord was performing these wonderful miracles and and they must have been excited. And as they ran to the Lord, what did the Lord do? He he opened his arms and he embraced them. I don't know. He's called the Lion of Judah. I sometimes wonder if there's uh, like a big bear as well, just gathering those children to himself. I imagine excitement and joy and laughter. I I imagine the delight on those children's faces. And I imagine that that delight was mutual, that the Lord was happy to have them in his arms. May we not picture that moment like the father who ran and fell on the neck of his son, the prodigal son, and kissed him? May we not apply the words of Solomon when he says to to, to, to his, his bride, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. I'm sure the Lord will embrace us in his arms when we enter heaven. And why not think about that here and now? Because it is a picture which is merited from the the analogies and the metaphors of the Word of God. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, is showing us this. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. The Lord Jesus Christ welcomes his people, and he welcomes us with an embrace, and he welcomes us in his arms. And here's the second thing that we're taught from this little verse as well. Not only does the Lord Jesus Christ welcome us in his arms, he welcomes all who come to him aright by putting his hands Upon them. So he lifted them up in his arms and he placed his hand upon them. The hand of the Lord is the hand of power and the hand of purpose. Sometimes life appears confusing to us, and that is because we're time bound and we're uninformed about the will of God and the providences of this life and the circumstances of our days. But Isaiah tells us that our God dwells in eternity and he does all things. He does everything according to his own good purpose and his own good pleasure. Isaiah says in chapter 46 verse 10 that he, that is God, declares the end from the beginning 
and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel, my purpose, my plan shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It's God that says that. Whatsoever happens in this world is according to the counsel and will and purpose of God and he will do all his pleasure. So that the psalmist can say in Psalm 31 verse 15, my times, says the psalmist, are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. So brothers and sisters, because the hand of the Lord is upon us, Nothing can touch us, nothing can harm us, nothing can trouble us beyond that which the Lord allows for our good. Does he not say, touch not mine anointed? And has he not anointed us with the hand of love and mercy? Here's, here's one of these pebbles for free will believers to chew on. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Mr. Biden and Mr. Putin and all the other prime ministers and presidents all over the world, they need to know that. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And we've been encouraging one another in recent times to bring our little ones to the Lord Jesus Christ. But maybe you say, oh, my family long ago turned their back upon the Lord. Their hearts are hardened against the gospel now. But that little verse in Proverbs, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. That tells us that the Lord turns the heart of man according to his will, not man's free will. That is why we can hope in the sovereign grace of a sovereign God. That's what gives us a freeness, a liberty to go before the Lord with our prayers and petitions and intercessions for those that we love and care for. We bring our children to the Lord and under the gospel when they are in our charge and we carry them to the throne of grace when they turn their back and walk away. We're often in scripture supplied with a connection between the Lord's healing power and the laying on of his hands. And although there's no real connection because many of the Lord's miracles involve no immediate touch. Nevertheless, a touch was often sought by those desiring healing for themselves or for others. And maybe as far as these children were concerned, their parents had brought them because they were sick or because they were diseased or because they, they, they had some condition and they wanted a touch of healing. And there may have been a touch of healing here as the Lord laid his hand upon them. We know the Lord healed many children from sickness and even from death. Be that as it may, when the Lord's hand alights upon a sinner, 
He brings spiritual wholeness, spiritual healing, spiritual happiness, spiritual life. And that brings us to our final point. When the Lord Jesus Christ welcomes his people to himself, he gathers them up in his arms. He comforts and protects them. He lays his hand upon them. He heals them and he demonstrates his power amongst them. And what else does he do? Well, the verse tells us he blesses them. Matthew, in the parallel passage to this one in Mark, tells us that that blessing was in the form of Christ's praying for those children. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord Jesus Christ prays for us, if the Lord Jesus Christ intercedes for us with his Father, we are blessed indeed. And be sure about this. God the Father denies no request from God the Son. If Christ blesses us with a prayer, such as his prayer in John chapter 17, then we have grounds to rejoice. I said earlier, when we were speaking in the, in, in the first part, I said that in the gospel, Every believer has the privilege of taking every blessing and every promise personally. The Lord said in John chapter 17 verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. The Lord Jesus Christ asked it. And the Father says, done. If you want it, you've got it. Of course, there's a continuity here. There's a consistency. The Lord Jesus Christ wasn't asking for something that the Father was unwilling to give because it is one God. Our triune God is one God. And here is a consistency of purpose from the eternal covenant. The Lord God gave him those people and the Lord Jesus Christ died for those people. God the Holy Spirit quickens those people. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, I will have those people with me. And the Father says, of course you will. Of course you will. And again, we're reminded of the fact that God the Father had given the Lord Jesus Christ that covenant people. It is these people who are gathered in their Saviour's arms. It is these people who are touched by the Saviour's hand and blessed with their Saviour's prayer. These are the people who are welcomed to the Lord Jesus Christ. They run to their friend as little children run to the object of their joy. And we're... we're Wrong to think about that as being a conversion experience. You see, this is, this is the problem about these free willers once again with their talk about coming to Christ. Coming to Christ isn't a one-off event that we, we do when we're, I don't know, 6 or 10 or 20 or, or whenever it might be. Coming to Christ is a daily experience. Coming to Christ is an all-of-life experience. We come to him day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, with enthusiasm 
and with confidence, with joy, with excitement, as little children running to the arms of Jesus that day. Free will preachers have stolen that word come from the church by their invitation system of salvation. We come every day to feel the arms of Christ around us, to receive his touch and to re-hear his intercessory prayers on our behalf. We come and we are welcome over and over again. And no one, not even a disciple, has the right to hinder us or stand in our way. When the Lord Jesus Christ says, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, we ought to prick up our ears because he's speaking about us. Every discouragement must fall away. Every barrier claps. Every hurdle is removed. And we may run to Jesus' open arms. What a joy it is to be in the embrace of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday I wrote in my little sermon introduction and suggested to you that I didn't know why the disciples uh, would block the way of these children, would block access to the Lord Jesus Christ for these children. Well today I have the answer. It was so that the Lord might speak. It was so that Mark might record and it is so that you and I might have the privilege of hearing the comforting words of Christ in his gospel. As he declares, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Amen. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us.